your first time, I'm Tyler, I'm the pastor here. So good to see you. We're in the middle of a series titled Jesus Always. Everybody say Jesus Always. Jesus Always. Title of my message today, we have two more weeks of this. Today's message is Ready, Set, Go. Next week is titled Who Cares? Just gonna, yeah, that's gonna be a good one next week. I pro- oh, I'm, I'm excited about next week, but today's message I'm really excited about also. Ready, set, go. You've probably heard this when you're about to race somebody, when you're on the starting blocks of anything, or maybe even life, we almost feel this pressure of when we start new seasons or when we move places or we see other people, we hear this ready, set, go. In Hebrews 12, it actually kind of has this moment where it says ready, set, go, and it's a challenge to us to run not just a race, but the race. Not to run somebody's race, but the unique race that God has for our life. And so this verse you've heard in this series, but it's one of the verses that's kind of themed this whole message series. And it's found in Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, to the life of faith, what life are you living right now? Are you living a life of anger? Are you living a life of bitterness? Are you living a life of worry? Are you living a life of comparison? Or are you living a life of faith? Because the race you're supposed to run is not one of comparison, worry, fear, and anger. It is a life filled with faith that my God is bigger than anything I will encounter. So, so the, 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 the challenge to all of us corporately is to live as a church that understands that our God is bigger. To live a life of faith. goes on to say in this uh, same verse, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Sometimes you just got to dust your shoulders off. Am I right? That's a, that's a rap song. Some of you knew that, some of you didn't. Uh, but I believe this, that I, I think some of you that are coming into church today, there's just a heaviness on your life. And Jesus' scripture promises us that he didn't come to give us a heavy burden, but he, he came to actually take those things off of your life and to give you a yoke that is easy. His burden is light. That is a blessing actually to follow God. But when you live for this world, it just keeps on heaping expectations and pain and struggles on you to where you don't even know if you can make it to the next day. Well, this scripture says that you have authority actually to throw them off in the name of Jesus. It goes on to saying the same scripture. It's a thick scripture. Sometimes you just slow down and look what God's saying to you, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. endurance. Jesus' pace is different from the world's. Let me just say that with confidence. Jesus' pace is different from the world's. We use this term, the pace of grace. This world wants to create sprinters. Sprint, burn out, next one up. Sprint, burn out, next one up. But God actually wants to run with a pace. And if you ever actually read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the Synoptic Gospels, and then John, another Gospel, amazing. These four books that are um, the eyewitness account of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we believe that this man named Jesus came to earth, died a death that we should have died, lived the life we should have lived, and then literally conquered death. And so there's four books that have this eyewitness account of our Creator, our Savior, and His name is Jesus. And not once is He running anywhere. Not once is He in a rush. He has this pace to his ministry. He has this pace to life that I believe that he showed us so we would live the same way. Let's keep going. And I love this part. Let us run the race with endurance, the race God has set before us. You have a race. I have a race. Set before you and set before me. You have a unique race. I have a unique race. Do you know there's no other you on this whole planet? It's crazy to think when you think. Billions of people, before and after, there's never been a Tyler Johnson. Never been a 6'4 guy, kind of goofy, talks fast, this kind of hairline, gray hair at 25, whatever. <laughs> Thanks for the uniqueness, God. You know what I'm but I think a lot of us in the room, if we're being honest, we're, we're frustrated because we're running somebody else's race. That we're looking around and we feel this pressure to run the race that culture has told us to run. 
But if I could just quote a great theologian, just be you, boo-boo. Just be you. Yeah. Caleb can quote theologians, so can I. All right? He's going to do it. We go on to this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Our eyes are everywhere in this culture. Oh, it's such a, such a overstimulated culture of our eyes being everywhere. But really, if you want to run the race you're called to live is not to have your eyes on social media or the people around you, but really your eyes to be fixed on Jesus. Came across a study, and I, I've just felt this lately. And again, we live in a rushed culture. We live in, in such a busy culture. You've heard me talk about this. We even have a term that we've created that actually doctors now call is hurried sickness. The majority of Americans suffer from hurried sickness. Let me, let me go on. There's an article I found as, as I was doing my studying, and it was by Harvard professor Leslie Perlow, and she's actually given it a new title. She's given this feeling a name that we feel at hurried sickness, and she, she calls this thing called time famine, this feeling of feeling so rushed and so busy, ready, set, go, I'm on a race, and we feel like we don't have enough time in the day to do everything we know we're supposed to do because you're never called to do, you're called to be. Catch this you're never called to do, you're called to be. Once you know who God is, you know who you're supposed to be. We live in a culture of do's when God's called you to be something, oh, I would say, is a who, a son and daughter of the living God. And so she goes on to talk about this time famine. She says, just as money can't buy happiness, neither can it buy time. It cannot buy what she calls time affluence. According to a Gallup poll, the more money you have, the more likely you are to suffer from time famine. We're in the most affluent region in the U.S., so I thought this might pertain to us. The study concluded that those at the top of the income spectrum are among the most likely to be time poor. She goes on to cite a Pew report, and they surveyed Americans and asked them, what's the most important thing that you'd want in your life? 68% of Americans replied, having free time. This was above, ready for this? This ranked even higher than having children, a successful career. Yet the way many of us choose to live doesn't reflect those priorities. And what I, what I hear from this, this cry of America's heart, when it says that 70% of people cry out, I wish I had more time. And really what they're saying is, I wish I had a different God. Because the God I serve, he's a bad master. Because the, the master of culture demands so much from my life. It demands so much time from me that I am in this thing called time famine and I'm worn out. And all I would love is just to have a little bit of time to rest and reflect on what God is doing in my life. And so people are crying out saying that more than anything, more than kids and a successful career, this is what I want, but this is how I live. They go on to even talk about the, the kids. Uh, she has an NYU school um, professor named Vatsal Thakar. I hope I pronounced it that correctly. I don't know. Vatsal Thakar, I don't know. V-A-T-S-A-L-T-H-A-K-A-K-R. I don't know. Um, but NYU uh, professor of psychiatry said this. Compared to 100 years ago, today's children get a full hour less sleep per night. And the answer is not as simple as choosing the early bedtime. It's about changing how we overschedule our children. <sighs> days so they can begin their nights sooner. We protect our children in unprecedented ways in our culture, from car seats to not, to not packing their lunches in containers made with BPA-free plastics to shopping for organic food, but we apply less care and vigilance to our children's time diets. I'll never forget playing sports. I, I grew up in a time where you play baseball for three months, basketball for three months, and then football uh, uh, for three months. And then I remember being like in eighth grade and Billy got on an AAU team and you traveled all year round for baseball. I love baseball, I loved it, it was fun. But man, I, I feel like ever since this new creation of how culture is telling us how we're supposed to live our life and culture, it's just taking more and more time from us 
instead of actually giving us more and more joy. I wrote this down real quick. When you get in the traffic jam of life, you start looking to your left and to your right, trying, uh, start trying to, uh, to be uh, other people and get in their lanes because their highlights look good. So what happens is, if I could just be honest, I um, lived in L.A., traffic was terrible in L.A. It's bad here, but if you complain about traffic sometimes, like, you have no idea what you're saying. Um, traffic in L.A. was like, you'd be like 12 o'clock on a Saturday, parking lot, you know. Uh, 1, 1 a.m. on a Saturday night, parking lot. I'm like, how does this happen? It's called L.A., okay. Um, now I live in the town. What? Anyways, uh, I, I, and I drive my wife crazy because we'll get in traffic at times. And I, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I'll get in the lane. And then the cars to my left look like they're going faster. So then I'm like, okay, left lane, left lane. And then I move, I'm like, oh, dang it, my lane's moving faster. And now I'm like, oh, I gotta get back over. Oh, it's the right lane out of the three. And you keep on moving lane to lane to lane because the lane to your left and to your right looks like it's moving faster and you just wanna pick the right lane. Oh, I hope I picked the right lane because I wanna get where I'm supposed to get in time of what I'm supposed to get to. Problem with that mindset is you're looking in the wrong places. You're not enjoying the journey. You're looking left to right because when you look at everything around you like an Instagram, the problem is, is when you see something on Instagram is, we, you've heard me say this, we only see highlights. Rachel and I, you know, Friday date day in Napa. And you know, I'll post it, it's amazing. But you're not seeing me post like Friday fight night, Tyler and Rachel, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, Look at the Italian go, you know? All right, tap me in, I'm in. All right, here we go, all right. You don't understand how I feel. You don't understand how I feel, you know? We don't post that. So you're like, oh, I want to get in their lane. Hey, trust me, you don't want our lane. This, this lane is for us, okay? And what happens in our life is, if we could just be honest, we're going to look at three things in this ready, set, go, is that you need to allow the driver of all drivers to drive your life. And we're going to look at what that looks like. And how, 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 how do we do that? What does that look like? What does scripture, how does scripture show us? Because the, the, the ethos of this series is really to show us Jesus' heart for our life, but Jesus' authority in our life. He's not just Savior, but he's Lord. He's the leader of our life. So we're going to look at how Jesus wants to lead our life. But then also we're going to look at our own posture when we get in the car of this race uh, in this world, this traffic jam of this world. And then after we look at our posture, our attitudes, we're going to kind of look at just how do we stay healthy in this race? What are the killers that destroy the enjoyment of our own life? And then I'll conclude with a really powerful conclusion. Does that sound good? Okay, sweet. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you for uh, the people that make it up. Uh, Lord, you, your word says in Proverbs 16 that, that many are the plans in a, in a person's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. So, Lord, I believe that you've directed people's steps for such a time as this, that people are in the room not on accident, but I believe that you are assembling uh, a church to change the world. Oh, we believe you. Oh, we believe your promises. May my words fall to the floor, and may your words soar. We need you, Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. So my first uh, um, point, it's... It, I try to get really creative with my points, and sometimes it just doesn't work. So just humor me if you don't like it. It's very simple. But my first uh, uh, point is just do it. Everybody say just do it. It's famous. It's from Nike, but it's going to make sense. James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 22 says this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Just don't. Again, we, we hear the promises of God, and we listen to it, but, but then we go and just do what the world tells us to do. And the challenge in this verse, right when it starts, is just don't listen 
every Sunday to the challenge of what God has for your life or the, or the, um, or the uh, inspiring thing God's saying to you. Actually do it and see what happens. So he goes on to say, but you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you see yourself, uh, for if you, uh, excuse me, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, everybody say free. free. And God came to set you free. The, the word of God, Jesus, he came to set you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What this is saying, this is a Tyler Johnson original quote, hope you like it, is you can't have a heavenly life with worldly habits. You can't have a heavenly life with worldly habits. So the, the, another way I wrote it is you can't do the same things and expect a different outcome. I wrote a ton of them. Your priorities right now in your life are producing exactly what they're supposed to. You're maybe frustrated. Why is this happening? Because your priorities are wrong. You're living with worldly habits, but you want heavenly breakthrough. You're living with bondage habits, but you're desiring freedom. You're living an isolated life, but oh, you want friendship. You want the, the provision of God, but you're the most selfish person on the planet. You cannot live this way. Another way I wrote it is you can't have a kingdom impact with little commitment to the kingdom. Childhood movie, Snow White, there was this wicked witch. I don't know if she's a wicked witch. I don't know. I, I, it's not one of my favorites. Forgive me. Uh, but she would say this uh, saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Do you remember this? Yes? And I think one of the, the most important things you have to do in your life, you have to ask yourself, what is my mirror? What is the thing that I look at to find out if I'm doing well in my race? Because all of us feel like we're in a race of something in this life. And all of us have a bar and our standard. And, and, and what James is saying in James 1 is he's saying, hey, the word of God, this is your standard. The word of God, this is your mirror. The word of God, this is what shows freedom. The word of God, this is actually what will lead you to your promise. So I wrote some mirror mirrors down and if one of these hits you, it means that you maybe need to change your mirror. Maybe your mirror's Instagram. And simply what I wrote on uh, Instagram was, mirror, mirror on the Instagram, please show me who I am. Some people in the house, you, you go on Instagram and you want to find out how you're doing and if you're successful and if you're uh, matching up to life. Another one I wrote is, mirror, mirror on Twitter, show me another thing to make me bitter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just going on, that's just your mirror. This is, did, you, did you see what happened today? Instead of going to the Word to have it fuel you, you, you go to Twitter and it shapes your emotions and your attitude for the day. Another one I wrote is, uh, mirror, mirror on MSNBC, tell me who I'm supposed to be. Some people, they've been watching the news, and they're like, this is what I think, and this is why I think it. Don't worry, I got Fox News coming up. Here we go. <laughs> mirror, mirror on Fox News, tell me who I'm supposed to choose. This, this, is, this is what happens in our culture. We allow Instagram, Facebook, mirror, mirror on Facebook, tell me how I'm supposed to look. There's another one, whatever. Um, they're very, I was doing one yesterday morning with Rachel. I was like, oh, I could do these, oh, so many channels. Um, I'll stop at five or six. But so many of us are going everywhere except the mirror of all mirrors that will set you free and then have you enjoy the life you're supposed to live. We have to come to this reality and actually be honest with ourselves that a lot of us are known for what drives us instead of who drives us. Oh, success, that's what drives me. Oh, this wound, that's what drives me to protect me. Oh, my own mindset and experiences, that's what drives me. Oh, the culture, it shows the wind, that's what drives me. Get away from what drives you and actually say, Jesus, I want you to drive me. I want to be known for who I worship, not what I do and what I worship. 
There has to be a, a time in your life when you say, I'm done. I, I, I've tried this, you're fired. I'll never forget, Rachel and I were flying on airlines. I'm not going to say the name, but it rhymes with shemited. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> if you can crack the code, you're smart enough, you can have it. Um, but it rhymes with that name, and uh, it was about six years ago, we, we flew to Florida, and they had a layover, and the layover took a lot longer than it was supposed to, and then we uh, missed our door, even though the plane was right there. The lady was like, sorry, TSA, we closed the door. I'm like, but they, I can see the, I, if, I just, if you just open, I can walk right in and sit down. Like, sorry, you're too late, door shut. We had to stay overnight, and then we go to Florida, and then on the way back, we fly from um, um, Orlando to Miami, Miami to SFO, and what happened again was Orlando Miami, 30 minutes got delayed, same thing happened, we had to stay overnight twice, and I was like, never again will I fly Shemited, never again, <laughs> never again. So guess what I did, the following year, I booked with Shemited because it was the best price, it was the cheapest price, and so I booked with Shemited, and as I booked with them, this time I was like, I'm, I'm going to go through somewhere different, They're go we're going to go through Chicago this time, sweetie. Chicago's way better. You know, we went through the whatever it was last time, Dallas and the Miami one. <laughs> wow, so I guess you've done this before too. <laughs> Chicago, oh, foolish man, foolish, foolish. So I go through Chicago. And so we again get delayed in SFO. I thought there's no way a 6 a.m. flight would get delayed, but it gets delayed. And then we land in Chicago. I'm like, we got enough time. What I didn't know is Chicago airport is massive. We're on the other end of the airport and we have to at least run a mile to get to our gate and we have minutes. And so I tell Rachel, I'm like, babe, I'm going uh, um, to take one of my bags, take the other bag. I'm going to sprint ahead of us, and I'm going to make sure they don't shut that door. They're going to keep that door open for us. And she's like, okay. So we both start running. And I'm, you know, I'm, not gonna be like, I'm faster than my wife, so I'm like, I love you. See you later in Florida. <laughs> you know, and she's like, don't leave me. I'm like, I'll hold the door, I swear. <laughs> and so I start sprinting, okay? No joke. Ten, imagine it being like 7 a.m., you know, like whatever time it was. It was, it was the a.m. time. It was super early. And running, and I'm wearing a, a hoodie, my, you know, my travel clothes, and, and, and I'm sprinting for, for 10 minutes. And I, again, I'm an asthmatic, but I couldn't find my inhaler. I was like, oh, I'll get it when I get on the plane. And then I realized I packed my inhaler in my golf bag, so I couldn't even find my inhaler. It was an ordeal. So anyways, I'm running, I'm running, and I find the gate. I'm having an asthma attack. Rachel's nowhere to be found. She took a left when she was supposed to take a right. Lily's about to shut the door, and I get, I'm like, no, my wife's right there, we're here, let me in. And she's like, okay, I'm like, oh, don't act like you don't know why I'm overreacting, okay, you guys know exactly what you've done to us, you know, and so, so I'm there, I'm like, she's just right there, I can see, I can see her, I'm like, I can see her, you know, and so finally Rachel comes, she's sweating, and we get on the plane, and I'll never forget getting on the plane, because everybody's sitting down, and when they're sitting down, can you imagine, 6'4 guy, and I am, I kid you not, I'm a sweater, but I am dripping sweat off my nose, it's literally dripping to the ground, and I'm going to come sit by you, by the, and I'm like, <laughs> and it was like, you know, like, look like the outbreak monkey, okay, Rachel's sweating, and we sit down. I put my buckle on, and I don't have my inhaler, but coffee helps. I'm like, can I get a coffee? It helps my asthma attack. And the lady's like, I'll get you a coffee. I was like, ah, ah, and everybody's just staring at us. Got to Florida. And then, I said, no, we're good. <laughs> That's my message. Let's pray. Let's get you out of here. Let's, let's go. Never again. Never again. Finally. I remember flying back, and we got this credit card with Virgin America Airlines. And for the next five years, we had this amazing experience. And then Alaska bought Virgin, and it stinks again, but whatever. But for five years, we had a great experience. 
it's crazy to me that people think they're going to have a different outcome, but they still choose to fly with the world. It's amazing to me that they think that they're going to get to where they're supposed to be with the Lord, but they get in the world's culture and say, take me there. And all the culture is going to do is take you to different stops and layovers and wear you out, get you paranoid, stress you out. And travel after travel, eventually, what happens is you don't even want to travel anymore. Because the world is not here to get you to your promise. And I have no idea why we believe this lie from culture, because we see people put on a pedestal with finances and fame, and we say, that's what I want. Again, if you know what you can't Instagram? You can't Instagram integrity. You can't Instagram character. You can't Instagram a man after God's own heart. You can't Instagram the things that will actually get you to your promise so you can enjoy your promise. And so we look at these things on social media and TV and we think, that's what I want. Whatever plane they took, I want it. But what you don't realize, it ends with a crash. But nobody posts the crash. And so my prayer today is, for just a season, if the word of God tells you to do it, just do it. I don't care how hard it is. Just do it. The word of God tells you to forgive. Just forgive. The word of God tells you to make God first. Just make him first in your life for once. The word of God tells you to be a kind person. For once, be kind. The word of God tells you to be selfless. Just all things says, just for one time in your season, be selfless. The word of God tells you to listen more than talk more. Try listening more in a season. The word of God tells you to give. For the first time in your life, maybe give. See what it does to your soul. Stop listening to culture and thinking culture has the right answers for you. Just do it. Let's go on to the next point. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, I felt like I was on United again. got kind of sweaty. Okay, we're up. Um, so first point, just do it. Second one, in ready, set, go, is a bad attitude is like getting bad directions. On this journey of life, when you start to run it, a bad attitude is like getting bad directions. And here's what I mean by that. Numbers 13, if you have a Bible, uh, verse 25. It's an amazing moment where the um, people of God are going to walk into their promise. I'm reading out the NLT. I believe this is NLT. Uh, hopefully it is. If not, uh, forgive me. Here we go. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel of Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was the report to Moses. We enter the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean. You can tell they weren't very creative. Uh, what should we call ourselves? Uh, Amalekites? Yeah, what about us? Uh, Canaanites? Yeah, Hittites? Okay. Um, I find it funny. Anyways, uh, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people and stood before Moses. And he says, let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men around them explored the land with him, disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Stop. Caleb's like, oh, stop, we can do it. I don't know about you, but we use this term, and he's a recurring character in my sermons, and his name's Hype Guy, okay? Sometimes I use Caleb as an illustration, or my wife, because they're both hype people. And if you've ever, never been around a hype person, I gotta, if you've ever been around a hype person, here's a couple traits that they do. They find a new coffee shop, and they come to you like, I just went to the greatest coffee shop in the world! 
if you if they have oat milk, their oat milk cappuccino, oh my gosh, don't get me started. It's the greatest thing ever. Hype people will take you to a level that you feel like you've missed out on coffee in general, okay? Hype people will meet somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, have you met that person? They're the, oh, they're, they're so amazing. I mean, oh, they're so kind. Oh, you got, you got to meet this person. I'm like, who are this? Who are they? A couple other things I wrote down that a hype person does to me sometimes is a movie. movie. Oh, you, you haven't seen this. How have you not seen this movie yet? I'll never, I'll never forget. I'm, I'm with one of my buddies, he's a hype guy. It was called, uh, anybody seen the movie White Chicks with Marlon Wayans and Sean Wayans? So they're like, you haven't seen one. It's one of the greatest movies ever. I'm like, Ever? Like, like Gladiator, Braveheart ever? Like, what? But you know what I did? I went home and watched it. It was pretty good, actually. It was pretty good. That was fantastic. Another thing a high person does. A high person will come to you like, oh my gosh, there's a new restaurant, Bounty Hunter. It's in Walnut Creek. It's amazing. If you don't go, you're missing out. So, of course I go. Catch this real quick. Caleb is, he's hyping. But he's hyping the right thing. Hyping's not wrong. It's just in culture, I feel like we've, if we're around the wrong things, we'll hype the wrong things. But when you're around the right thing, you'll actually talk the right things up. And so Caleb's like, we can do it. Our God is bigger. I'm telling you, the land was amazing. Our God is amazing. Let's go. It's ours. But everybody with a bad attitude, a bad perspective goes, we can't do it. Turn around. GPS traffic jam. I know that's where God said we're supposed to go, but it's just, it's not going to work. Turn around. I want to read you a verse that says this about what God says about uh, Caleb. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude. Everybody say different attitude than others have. He has remained loyal to me. He trusts me. Caleb trusts me. He goes, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. Stop. Think about the promise as it goes on. His descendants, your faith, your trust in God will bless other people. This isn't just about you. It's about the whole region when you decide to say, I'm actually going to live for God with all that I am. And I'm going to trust him with all that I am. And it's going to affect the descendants around me. I'll catch this real quick. This, this is when it's going to get good. I don't know if anything great goes the easy route. And we're in love with the easy route. We got Waze, we got Apple Maps, we got Google Maps. Back in the day, we had Thomas Guide. Who remembers Thomas Guide? That's what's up. Who loves Waze? I love Waze. I will go out of the way to shave off 30 seconds off my route. <laughs> Waze, thank you, okay? I'm a Waze person. My wife's an Apple Maps person. I'm like, all right, good luck. <laughs> Great, we'll be there 1015 instead of 1014, but whatever, you know? <laughs> Have fun driving, you know? Detour, you know? Um, But you, I catch this real quick. When you have people in your life that actually decide to show you that it's possible and they have the right spirit, it changes things around you because the descendants will actually benefit from it. Here's what I mean. Just let, let's, let's unpack this thought. When we planted the church here, I had more people tell me it was a bad decision than a good decision. If I would have listened to the crowd, I wouldn't be here. I had people tell me, your Goliath will be getting a building in this area. Good luck. I was like, well, good thing, because my God specializes in slaying Goliath, so it's going to be fun. You know what I'm saying? We're going we're 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 to we're find our home, because God's got a home. It's all good. I, I'm, I, I'm stressed about it. 
I just walk around and sometimes I'm like, I'm in like the Macy's. I'm like, is this the future home of Mission Church? <laughs> Macy's lady's like, oh, can I help you? Never mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, get out. You're in my uh, church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, move the product. This is where our platform's going to be. This is where we're going to worship. The kids' area's going to be over there where the men's clothing is. Get it out of here. Uh, anyways. I look at my life and the reason where I am today and the, the big things that were in my way, they weren't geographical. A lot of the big things that are holding you back from your promise, they're not geographical. It's the inside out kingdom. They're, they're eternal, they're, 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 they're inside, it's inside out. And so some of the biggest things that you're gonna have to decide if you actually wanna have a trusting attitude with God is my dad and I, talked for 30 minutes on Monday, and those moments when I talked to my dad, we're talking sports, talking to a TV show, talking about how life is going, and I never want to forget that 11 years ago, I didn't even want to talk to my dad on the phone. But I, to be honest, I, I almost hated my dad. I didn't care when he passed away. But I have people around me that told me that forgiving your dad will be one of the hardest and biggest things you'll ever do, but if you can get to the other side of that forgiveness that if you can fight the giants of wounds that are in your life, you can fight the giants of betrayal, that you can get past the things that your father did when you were a young kid, and you can actually forgive him and do things that God could only do in your heart because you're not going to be able to heal the wound that you want to heal. But if you would actually trust God for the promise of reconciliation and you fight for that promise, you'll be on the other side and be able to say, wow, look what happened in my life. And some of you, you have such a bad attitude that you can't even start the race to your promise. That there is reconciliation in front of you, but the giants look so big that your bad attitude says, I can't reconcile. There's no way I could reconcile. There's, there's 90 some percent of people who don't go to church. There's no way we could have revival. How would we even do it? All I know is if God says go this way, I'm just gonna watch him do it. If God tells me to forgive, I'm just gonna start forgiving. There's something about having the right spirit, the right attitude, because Life is gonna have big things. Life is gonna have big valleys. It's gonna have big betrayals. It's gonna have big setbacks. It's gonna have big failures. It's gonna have these big wounds. But here's the deal, the only people that actually get through those things know that they have a God that's bigger than all those things. You wanna impress God? Like you wanna have God marvel? Let me read you a verse. This is, this is uh, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. When Jesus heard these things, let me set the story up real quick, I'm getting excited. This man comes and says, this person's about to die, and I need you, Jesus. It's too big for the world to fix. It's too big for the world to heal. And so the man tells Jesus, you don't even have to come and heal him. If you just say it, he'll be healed. Do you know what Jesus' reaction is? When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Jesus marveled at a human being. He says, amazed, like, what? He marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Stop. Your money's not going to impress God. Your perfection bar is not going to impress God. Your whatever bar that you have is not going to impress God. You know what impresses God? Faith. Trusting God is what's going to impress God. Caleb, trust me. And because he trusts me, and I... I see it in him. I'm going to bring him here. And because of his trust, other people are going to be blessed by it. You want to impress God this next season? Just start trusting him more. Have a better attitude with God. When it's a bad day, trust that God still is in control.
when a storm hits, trust that God is still in the midst of the storm. If it's a terrible valley, trust that God is doing something in the valley because you're going to walk through it, but he's going to walk you out of it. Oh, let's have a bigger trust. Let's have a better attitude as church. Amen? Amen. My last point is simply this, is you got to keep your eyes on the road. you got to keep your eyes on the road. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 18, uh, verse 6 through 9. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine women from all the towns of Israel, they came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Stop. If you don't know the story, I never want to assume. This is one of the more famous stories in the Bible. David kills this guy named Goliath, nine feet plus, uh, throws a, a, a rock at him. David is the first original rock star. Christian joke. Um, <laughs> yes. And then they sing him a jam, and they're like, Saul's killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. So David comes from obscurity. It says literally in Psalms that God took him from the sheep pen and then put him in front of everybody. Sheep pen to everybody. The sheep pen, the, the desert, I would say is the time when you never see anybody Instagramming the integrity prayers. You can't, you can't Instagram faithfulness. And so David has just been faithful and character because you'll see in this moment that what Saul does is, this made Saul very angry. What is this, he said. They credit David with 10,000 and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. He kept an eye on David. Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on Jesus. I don't know about you, but what happens in our culture is you have this man named Saul who's more worried about being king than worshiping the king. And if your biggest priority is not worshiping God, but it's actually keeping a position or keeping a, uh, I could say, a reputation, you have missed it. By keeping a bank account, you've missed it because your eye will always be on the wrong thing and will steal from the joy of the journey. And so David and Saul have this moment and they start singing a song. Saul killed a thousand still. That's amazing. He doesn't even hear the praise. He doesn't even hear the compliments. He's just listening to the compliments about David. My buddy Drew is a terrible driver. I mean, we're talking terrible. I, I remember we had this four-month stretch where we got two wrecks together, him driving both times, okay? One time he was driving. I was in the car. We were going over hills really fast. Whee! And because it was raining, slammed the brakes on. We fishtailed. Like four cars got in a wreck, and it was terrible. We, uh, then we um, go to his house. I'm in my buddy's Mitsubishi Eclipse because Fast and Furious was out, so everybody was buying Mitsubishi Eclipses at the time. Um, and he's parked behind Drew's Pathfinder, and Drew literally pressed reverse and just drove right on top of us when we were in the car. And we're like, did this just happen? We're in his parking lot. He didn't even look backwards. Drew's a he thinks he's a good driver, by the way. He's a terrible driver, okay? And I always wonder, why is he such a bad driver? Like, he's competent. He's a smart guy. But then we were driving the car. We were visiting this last time. And I remember us driving. And I'm in the back seat with Rachel and I and his wife and him are sitting in front. And this is how Drew will talk to me in a conversation. Yeah, so Kevin Durant, do you think he's going to stay with Golden State? I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. And, and at first, I don't realize it. But he's driving. He's like, I mean, I think he's going to New York. I think he's bouncing, man. I think he's bouncing. And then I was like, Drew, you don't have to look at me while we talk. You're driving. I appreciate the eye contact. I do, I do. It's respectful, but you're driving. Keep your eyes on the road. And what we realize is like, I've done this my whole life. Light bulb, yes. Keep your eyes on the road, man. This is why you've been in so many wrecks. This is why you couldn't even get insured for a season. You're a terrible driver. Catch this real quick. These are terrible drivers in your life, ready? Just a few of them. Comparison is a terrible driver. It's a terrible driver for your life. Eyes on other people. This is what gets us working more hours a week. 
This is what makes us sleepless hours. Well, that person works this hard, I need to work harder. This person only sleeps this much, then I should only sleep this much. Well, this person's done that much in this season, then I need to do the same thing in this season. Do you know that in this room right now, some people are being planted and some people are sprouting? And if you're in a season different from somebody else, because your race is different from my race, and you're trying to sprout when God's saying, I'm just getting you ready. I'm just putting the nice soil around the seed. Because here's, you know, God doesn't plant trees. He plants seeds. So he plants a seed, and some other people, they've been planted in the church for a little bit longer, and their marriage is flourishing, their life is flourishing. You're like, well, I, I should have that. And so you take yourself out of where you're supposed to be because you're comparing, and so it's a terrible driver. It takes you from everywhere you're supposed to be instead of actually being planted where God wants you to be. Stop comparing with people and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Comparison's a terrible driver. Another terrible driver is approval of people is a terrible driver. Saul's ear was given to the crowd. He was living for the collapse of the people instead of actually living his calling. He, he wanted to hear the applause of man instead of approach the kingdom, oh, the throne. And so when you live for the approval of people, you're always going to be in this kind of I need to be better. I need to show people what I can do. And if I don't hear anything good from them again, do I even have value? It's a terrible driver of your life. It will cause wrecks of your life. Another terrible driver is jealousy is a terrible driver. It's a terrible driver. It will destroy your life. Jealousy, I'll never forget, my parents got me Nike basketball shoes for Christmas. I'm like nine years old. I'm nine. So I, I, can be, I, can, I, think, I, I think it's okay I acted this way when I was nine. I go over to my buddy Joey's house. And for Christmas, he's an only child. We have four kids. This is why I want to have an only child, by the way, because I want to spoil my kid. What's up? Um, we might have two or three, though, but we'll, we'll talk later. Um, I go to Joey's house, only child, and he got 10 pairs of Jordans for Christmas. Yeah, exactly, right? A little overboard, okay? Uh, and so I remember him having lined up. He's like, so these are the Jordans. I was like, and I remember like, looking at my Nikes, and I didn't even tell him I got them. Because I, I, I went over to somebody else's house, and I, I looked at what they got, and I look what I got, and it stole from actually my gift. Because what jealousy does is it makes you want what everybody else has. But contentment actually is not getting what you want, but it's realizing what you do have. And what I've realized in my life is if God wanted me to have it, I'd have it. I, oh, I wanted to lead worship as a, in church. It was my, the number one thing I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to be a worship pastor. But I believe if I would have been a worship pastor, I think I would have burned out within five years because I would have wanted to do everything. God wanted me to have it, I would have had it. So he literally gave me one tool in the tool belt, just a little hammer. He's like, just talk about me on Sundays and love people. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Put the hammer away. If you don't have it, you're not supposed to have it. God is going to give you the right things in the right season. And because somebody else has 10 of something, you have one of something this season, don't compare. The jealousy, it will destroy you. Jealousy is a terrible driver. Another one, selfishness is a terrible driver. Another one is perfection is a terrible driver. We all know this. We must destroy comparison or comparison will destroy us. Saul's a fascinating case study on this. If you just study Saul's life, comparison destroyed him. It didn't have to end that way. He wanted to just be, again, he was this amazing head and shoulders above the rest. He had so many things going for him. But because he just didn't have the same thing David had, it destroyed his life and it destroyed his path. He didn't enjoy anything. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I wrote down a very simple thing. But if you have any of these things in your life, 
It's good to kill what's lurking in you. The Bible talks about destroying the flesh. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to be kind of a little, almost a little heart test. I think it's good to have a heart check in this one. I think it's, a, it's very important. So four things to do a heart check. You're like, ooh, I do have that. Get rid of it. Give it to God. How you get rid of things, how you destroy things, you give them to God. So here's four things you might have a little bit of comparison, or you might be more worried about being king than actually worshiping the king. First one is this. When somebody wins, you feel like you lose. Because Saul goes, it's the but me. Oh, I know David, but what about me? David, but what about me? I know you said, but, but talk about, don't talk, but me. They always, they have, people have some gifts just make everything about them. Like, bring it back now. Bring it back now. Another one that if you might have it in you is this. It's hard for you to give out compliments. You think it discounts you. It's hard for you to compliment others. You don't give out compliments very easily because if you do, you feel like you're elevating somebody else and you're devaluing yourself because you actually think that the, the, what you say is more important than what he says. Another one is, uh, maybe it's lurking you, is it's hard for you to celebrate others. If somebody else has a celebration season and you can't join a celebration, you're missing out. In my car with Jesus driving, I love that my wife is in the car with me. Who you surround yourself with is so important. When, when we started this journey, there's a handful of people, and I'll share this at one of our anniversaries, if they weren't in my life, this church wouldn't have been planted. God strategically put them in the car of my life to speak faith when I didn't have faith, to celebrate things that I wasn't celebrating, to show me things that I didn't even see. Last but not least, you may have it in you when you rejoice in other people's failures. It makes you feel better. These are things that should not be in your heart. This is a sickness to your contentment. This is a sickness to the ride. You'll never enjoy it. My prayer for you is very simple, is as you go on your journey this week, that you would actually, there's everybody in this room, I th- feel like you'll get discouraged. And again, this was part of my message, but I feel like I'm supposed to share it. Some of you are leaving here and you're like, okay, I'm going to do all 10 things better. Relax. We call this the overachiever in the room, okay? One thing you know you're supposed to be doing. Just do that one thing this week. Add one more thing that you know is a godly rhythm that would be good for your life and the people around you. So, so just do it. Just one thing. Just start doing one thing you know you're supposed to be doing. Second one is wake up and trust God and have a better attitude on your journey. Stop complaining the whole way and start praising the whole way. Praise them on the valley, in the valleys and praise them in the peaks. And last but not least, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep them fixed. Don't, do not let anything else drive your life. Allow the King of Kings to drive your life. Will you bow your heads with me?